Welcome here. This is a series that we're finishing up here called Simply Christmas. And we're going to be talking about the topic of joy. Now, we're in that fourth uh, Sunday of Advent, and that typically is this one on joy. And I have to tell you that lately, joy has just been something difficult to feel like I have a grasp on. And so I'm here and I'm studying the scriptures and I'm asking myself questions. Or maybe you're asking some of the same kinds of questions. But I'm asking things like, when was the last time I experienced joy or saw joy? Can you remember? Was it a birthday? Was it a graduation? Was it the birth of a child? Was it a first date? <laughs> you know, like what was it um, that you last remember experiencing joy or, or in our context, when was the last time you, or where was the last time you experienced God's joy? Um, you know, that it just flowed through you and it, and it just came out of you in such a way that the people around you couldn't help but notice that there was just something different. It's kind of the context of our story today as we look into this topic of joy. Now, our, our key passage throughout this entire series has been Isaiah 6, uh, sorry, Isaiah 9, Verse 6, where it talks about the names of Jesus as Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. And, and, um, and, and today, though, I, I want to pick up on these shepherds. And in Luke chapter 2, uh, I'm going to be reading verses 8 and 9. If you don't know where the book of Luke is in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. Just go ahead and use it. And, and don't be ashamed of that. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to be reading verses 8 and 9. So when you have it, just read along with me. Here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this time that we can have together here. And I pray, Jesus, that as we're looking into your word, and as we are seeking to understand, seeking to experience the joy from you for this season, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we'd be able to come to a place that maybe we just hadn't experienced in a long time or maybe ever before. Lord, that we would truly understand what it means to have the joy of the Lord in our lives and flowing from our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. So our study for today is on this topic of joy. And joy is one of those things that we we kind of grasp at, right? Like we... And, and unfortunately, I think sometimes we, we misunderstand joy and think it's more along the lines of happiness. And it really isn't. You see, happiness is an emotion. And I think it's safe to say that joy, biblically, is a state of being. And, and where they can interact with each other and there's certainly overlap, uh, it's hard to be happy in difficult circumstances, but you can still have joy in difficult circumstances. And I think that's part of what separates this out. Now, when I think about biblical definitions of things, what we have then is that joy is the state of delight or well-being that results from knowing God. If you're going to write something down, if there's a point that you're going to hang on to for this message, then, then let it be something like this. Joy is the byproduct of life with God. You catch that. Joy is a byproduct 
of life with God. Now, what that then means is that joy is not something in and of itself that we pursue. It's the byproduct, you know? So we, we pursue Jesus, we pursue relationship with God, and the byproduct of that is that we experience His joy. It's not the end in of itself, and it should not be pursued as the end. And, uh, and so that's really important, right? Now, joy is also a, a key word in the biblical uh, key word in the biblical accounts of the birth of Christ. It is a center of the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And the shepherds that were experiencing this, uh, they brought this message to a number of other people within the story. And the shepherds represent sort of a common people, um, but actually that's not even 100% accurate either. Uh, the shepherds really represent those people who one would consider furthest away from God within the community of Israel. And so they were the lower class. They were disregarded to some extent. And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we find this angel comes to these shepherds and says this, fear not. Now, remember in our reading, uh, it says that the shepherds were terrified, right? Because the angels were there, the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. And the angel says, <laughs> I don't know, maybe something kind of humorous, really. Um, Fear not, or don't be afraid. Okay, listen, if, if I'm out there doing the thing that I normally do, tending the flock of sheep, and all of a sudden there's this angel and, and the glory of the Lord shone all around, I'm, I'm going to be afraid. And so for the angel to come along and say, fear not, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so these shepherds, they receive this news, but a gift that just still goes on today. And because of what they did with this gift, we can also sing joy to the world. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 doesn't tell us a whole lot about who they are. You know, that was the original part of our reading, right? It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, as if this was just common practice, right? So it doesn't actually tell us a lot about who they are. But what we can say is that based on what we know about the culture, based on what we know about the time, and certainly reading some of the documentation of the time, like a book called the Talmud, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, it's a collection of interpretations on the Word of God. It's insights from rabbis. It's, it's essentially commentaries. And, and so we read these words in this commentary uh, in the Talmud related to shepherds. Now imagine this, because earlier on throughout the scriptures, shepherds are these great people and they're heralded as something wonderful. But somehow at this point in history, it's something different. Here's what it says. In the Talmud, the rabbis are saying these things. No help is to be given to the heathen, right? So that's like the pagans, those far from God, those who they would consider uh, sinners, to the heathen, heathen or shepherds. You catch that. Not to the heathen or shepherds. And so to learn a little bit more about the shepherds, they were considered ceremonially unclean because of the nature of their work, and they were unable to attend many religious services. They were isolated and forgotten, mostly because their flocks were mobile. They needed to move from place to place for grass and for water. 
And they were treated with contempt and mistrust. You know, as a matter of fact, they were often suspected of stealing from others, and they would often uh, confuse uh, the idea of thine with mine, you know, that kind of thing. And their testimony was never really allowed in court because they weren't considered trustworthy. That's a long way to fall from the Old Testament where this great shepherd David is someone who they consider just enormous within the word and certainly within their history. But they were also known to be brash and and bold. These were sort of like those, one could say the roughnecks, right, of the day and age. And so I find it interesting that these people that were not trusted, these people that were kind of shoved aside and treated as a lower class of people, that God gave the greatest message ever to a bunch of shepherds. Just think about that for a moment. God gave the greatest message ever to a bunch of shepherds. Now, maybe like the shepherds, you might be thinking that God just doesn't even know you exist. He does. Maybe you're thinking that somehow he's angry at you or, or just you're not significant to him. Nothing can be further from the truth. I want you to know that God can meet you right where you are and he desires to meet you right where you are. You're valuable to him. You're important to him. He loves you. And he doesn't love you with some fickle love. It's it's all-encompassing. Like he's all in. You don't have to clean yourself up or act like something you're not in dealing with him. He knows you inside and out. He knows everything there is to know about you. And so you could say that if you smell like a shepherd... (laughs) Let Jesus wash you up. If your sins are wiping you out, then let Jesus lift you up out of them. That's kind of what we have here. I want you to know that that you were created in the image of God. And as an original masterpiece, the signature of the Creator is on your soul. He made you. And He wants you. In the same way that And he made these shepherds, and he wants these shepherds. And so he used what was considered low in the world to champion his greatest message to the world. It's an amazing story. And so you find, when we look at the shepherds themselves, that there were some things that we see with them. The first thing we see is certainly like they're afraid and, 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 and awestruck by all of this, but they accepted this message. So you could say that it was joy accepted. Um, these attentive shepherds are filled with awe and now they accept the message of the good news with great joy in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 15. And it actually says here, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Like all the people, meaning including you, the lowest of the low, the ones who are set aside. So the angel just in the midst of their fear calms them down. Oh, that's an exhale, isn't it? I mean, right now, people are filled with all kinds of anxiety within the world, and they're filled with all kinds of angst that goes along with it. And this message of good news, of great joy, comes along, and it just says, okay, hang on. Slow down. Breathe. You don't got to be afraid. You don't got to be afraid. He calms them down, and he's telling them that he's bringing good news of acceptance of forgiveness of hope 
And it's literally, if you can imagine this, right? It's literally where we get the word evangelize. Now that word I know many of you have heard before. And it's this good news of great joy. The Greek word here is, is mega. It means exceedingly large and loud and mighty. It's a superlative of gr the greatest degree. And so Wycliffe, if you're familiar with uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, it's based on a, on a missionary who wanted to translate the scriptures for other people to be able to read it and understand it in their own language. He actually translates this way. He says, I evangelize to you a great joy. Wow. I evangelize to you a great joy. Joyless faith in Jesus is a contradiction. It's just a contradiction. I mean, this message is for all people, but I want you to notice the word you as well in the text. Um, it's for the whole world, but it's got to become deeply personal. After getting some more specifics, we see that this whole regiment of rejoicing angels fills the sky and they're praising God and they're saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And we know that they accepted his message. These shepherds, they hear this and we know that they accept it because in verse 15, the very thing we read next, it says, it says, let's go to Bethlehem and see. And so it leads us to this next thing. It's this idea that, okay, so we have this joy from the Lord, which is this just incredible supernatural thing that he grants to us. It's a gift from him to us. And we accept it. And then upon accepting it, it does something to us. These shepherds didn't just accept and enjoy the message they received. They didn't just accept the fact that they were now having access to the Father in a different way. They acted on it. Something changed within them. So Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And the word hurried off here means that they, they left in haste. Like it was a, it was a rush. It was a... There's a quick movement that they ran towards finding Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And so the idea comes in where it's this notion of, come on, hurry up, let's go. It, it, it's like you're in a mad rush to get somewhere, your kids are trailing behind, and you're just trying to get out the door, and you're like, hurry up, come on, let's go. You know, it's, it's like that. Man, I wish I could have seen that. Experienced that. I mean, it's a pretty amazing in itself because shepherds, well, they didn't typically do anything quickly. Everything was slower and they moved at a, at a much slower pace. They were patient men. They were accustomed to moving slowly through the pastures. And so for them to be rushing anywhere, that's a big deal. Something significant must be taking place to cause a shepherd to move quickly. And so they could have doubted, they could have delayed, but instead... They decided to act and they moved forward. And so we see when we look at the pastors that they, they went and they saw. The first thing they did is they rushed to Bethlehem and they wanted to see the baby in their, with their own eyes. Like, what is this thing that these angels just came and told us about? Now many commentators, when they're looking at this passage, these are people who are scholars. They study the word. They study the original language. They study the culture. Um, many of them point out to the possibility that these shepherds, 
they were taking care of sheep that were going to be sacrificed in Jerusalem's temple. Now, now, if that's the case, I don't want you to miss this. If that's the case, then it's no accident that they leave their sheep to go and visit the Lamb of God. These sheep that were to be sacrificed in the temple, they leave to go see the Lamb of God. I mean, that in itself is a powerful image of what is taking place here. I mean, these sheep are no longer necessary because we have the Lamb of God. And so not only did they go and see, they went and they saw, they left and they shared. Uh, It's striking that they, they don't just pull up a bale of straw or a blanket and sit down and wait. You know, they, they didn't just make themselves comfortable. They didn't just hang around the manger because they knew that they were now managers of a message. See, they came and they saw Jesus. And after seeing Jesus, um, what we find is that the message that they shared actually had to go out. They, they were compelled to do so. And as they were sharing this message, they didn't say anything about seeing amazing angels. Isn't that interesting? That in this story, the thing that was most awesome for the shepherds was not the angels, it was the baby. They came to see him and now they heard, or, or sorry, now they head out to herald the good news. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. And the word spread here means to make known in such a way that people can understand. And so they may have mentioned the angels, but the message was about the baby. And so it's not that these angels became this big focus of the story for them. It was about this child that had been born into the world, the Savior. And so I, I, I want us to understand this. Some are in heaven because the shepherds couldn't keep quiet. These people that were considered lowly, these people that were considered sort of outsiders within Israel, these shepherds, some people are in heaven because the shepherds couldn't keep quiet. And I just, I wonder, how many people are going to be in heaven because we can't keep quiet about the good news of great joy? It's not enough to just say we have faith or to to feel good about something. There comes a time after seeing that we must be involved in sharing. It's a reality that we taste and we see that the Lord is good, but then we share that He is good. We share His goodness. And that's exactly what happened with these shepherds. Now, not only did they come and, and, and sort of experience seeing Jesus and then talking about Jesus, but we also see in the story that there's this sense of joy being lifted up. What's cool here is that the shepherds, if you can imagine this, <laughs> I can't even imagine the, what was going on through their heads here. Because after they share with people all this good news about Jesus and, and spreading things in such a way that people would understand, these shepherds went back to their same boring jobs, but they weren't the same on the inside. They returned to where they started and they were attentive again to those sheep. Now, I want you to notice, here's what didn't happen. They didn't write the story down on a scroll. 
They didn't write a book. They didn't go on a speaking tour, you know, called the Shepherd's Story. There was nothing like that. They didn't. They didn't change their Facebook status. You know, <laughs> they talk about these things. What they did was that after Christmas, after this moment that they experienced with the angels and with Jesus and and with sharing this good news about this new Messiah that has just been born, they go back to their sheep, but changed. After Christmas, we go back to the same routine, but, but we get to do this differently, rejoicing. And we are to rejoice right where we are. And, and I want you to know that it is possible for you to have joy in jobs that you don't enjoy. It is possible to have joy in jobs that you don't enjoy. Luke 2 verse 20 says it this way. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They don't just wander about what they saw or wonder about what they saw. They worshipped him who they saw. Someone observed um, that many of us worship our work. We work at our play. We play at our worship. I'll say that again. Uh, someone has suggested can't even remember who actually, uh, but it's this idea that we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. When a person receives Jesus, we praise God. And it's what becomes part of our natural inclination. And so allow yourself this season to adore Emmanuel, God with us, as you glorify and you praise him for all that you've seen all that you've heard, you many of you have heard this message over and over and over again. Don't become numb to it. Don't become numb. Joy is the byproduct to life with God. And we have joy because of what happened in that first Christmas. That these angels come along and they offer this great, good news of great joy. It is great joy. A state of being, not just an emotion. When the, sh the shepherds were changed forever by what they saw, and we also should be changed forever by what we see, what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've been told, what we've learned. And, and so I think it's important that maybe we just follow their example on it. The Christmas story, really his story, or history must become part of our story, or rather our story must become of history. Luke 2, 11, today, that means right now, in the town of David, a Savior, the one who forgives sins, has been born to you personally. He is Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord, your master and leader. And so, to close, i got three questions. Is he Savior to you? Is he Christ to you? Is he Lord to you? Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Or maybe he has been, but for some reason, over time, you've drifted away from it. If that's you, I just want you to understand that the joy that God has for you, it's not situational. 
As a matter of fact, the circumstances that we have are subject under it. We can have joy that it gets superimposed over all, all kinds of things that we experience in life. Because it's a state of being. It's the reason that Paul and Silas are able to sing in prison. It's because the joy of the Lord is their strength, as we read in Nehemiah. Something different takes place. And so, joy is not something to be pursued into, unto itself. Joy is a byproduct of a life with God. So if you want joy, true joy, lasting joy, it comes from living life with Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to live in us. So if that's something you desire today or something you want to recommit to today, just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are our joy and that you make our joy complete by giving us your joy. And so, Lord God, I, I, I ask that for those who are taking this in today that don't know you, that don't have a relationship with you, that we would recognize that they would recognize your goodness, your desire for them, that your sole purpose in coming into this world as we celebrate Christmas is to point us to the cross. The, the cradle points to the cross and that you take away the sins of the world. And so, Lord God, thank you so much for taking away my sin, and I receive your gift of salvation today. Would you make my joy complete by having my joy lived out in you? And if you're here and you're taking this in today, and, and it's been a while since you've connected with God, then just pray this with me. Lord God, I, I apologize so much. Lord, I am sorry for drifting from you. And I know that you're good, and I know that your desire is to forgive me. And so, Jesus, I come to you. I repent of my sins. I don't want them to be part of my life. I don't want the things that separate us. And so, Lord, I leave them at your feet. I thank you that you are my God, that you are my Lord, and I recommit my life to you today. Lord Jesus, be with everybody who has taken this in. May they experience your joy. May they experience your love, your hope, your peace in this season and even beyond this season. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.